Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Is This Music, a podcast about the mysteries of musical taste, why we love the music we love and hate what we hate. My name is Malcolm Fraser, and on this episode, I'm joined by Robert Dayton and Stephen Hamm. Robert Dayton is an actor, visual artist, comedian, and uh, maker of a lot of music through the years, from July 4th Toilet to uh, Points Gray with Destroyer's Dan Bihar, Hallmark, Wet Dirt, and many other projects. Stephen Hamm was in the legendary Vancouver band Slow. More recently, he's been a member of Nardwar the Human Serviettes band The Evaporators and countless bands in between. He also has his own solo project, Stephen Hamm Theremin Man. And this year alone, he's recorded two EPs for Robert Dayton. Um, they also are known collectively as the duo Canned Ham, who have a long history of uh, collaborating and performing with. Um, it's a fun conversation. I feel like it's one of those where we just scratch the surface of uh, the themes of the podcast, but uh, maybe we'll have a rematch sometime. Anyway, I hope you enjoy it. So, um, Robert Dayton, Stephen Ham, welcome to the show. Thanks, Malcolm. It's nice to see you guys. Nice to hear you. Nice to be nice to hear you too. It's uh yeah, we have a big long history the three of us, eh? Yeah, I, w- I was uh I was trying to remember when I first met you and I believe it was when Canned Ham opened for Bobby Kahn at the Sala Rosa in Montreal. 2001 or 2002. Yeah, 2001. Right. We had literally just moved to Montreal like a few days before. Right. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And I think I knew Bobby Kahn. Yeah, I knew Bobby Kahn, you know, not that well, but like Peaches had opened for Bobby Kahn when I was doing like film projections for Peaches in Toronto. So I kind of knew him. I knew his music was really awesome. And uh, I heard Canned Ham on like campus radio and they said you were opening for them. And I was like, oh, this is just going to be awesome. Well, didn't didn't Peaches wasn't it because we had opened for Peaches? Yeah. And didn't yeah. Peaches tell you about us? Isn't that how we connected? Wasn't it actually kind of through Peaches? That sounds right. I mean, I I do remember. Yeah, actually, because okay, this this doesn't matter to anyone, but just to get it clear, um, yeah, I done a tour with Peaches that summer. And she was like, oh, you got to check out these guys canned ham. And so, yeah, then when I saw that you guys were playing with Bobby Kahn, I was like, I got to see this. Well, the way I remember it was that we played a show with Peaches at the Starfish Room and we really had a good time. And and then I then afterwards, I got hold of her and I said, uh, hey, can we do some more shows with you, Meryl? And she was like, no, but you should look up the world provider. He's amazing. You should do some shows with him. And it was like, thanks for the hookup. But I'm glad she did give us that hookup because it turned into a lot of great shows. She she foisted you on me. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, she was. We were we were a handful in those days. So I think she. Yeah, she was. She. I remember stumbling over her while she was trying to get a backstage massage. And she'd be like, little ham, stop it. And I'd be like stumbling because I was so, I drank a lot in those days. And, uh, you know, 
but I do remember when we were in Chicago uh, staying at, at Bobby Con and Julie's place, Bobby Con and Monica Boo Boo's place. I remember them saying, you know, that Peaches was quite um, the connector. You know, she said that, that she really unites the freaks is, uh, you know, what uh, how, how uh, Bobby and Monica would describe uh, describe Peaches, which I thought was quite quite a quite an admirable quality for sure for sure well she was always really social and like in the toronto years like if you went out for coffee with her it was guaranteed like you'd have to stop five times like on the street from her place to the coffee shop because like she knew everyone right. that's like hanging out with robert <laughs> <laughs> or you oh, yeah i guess so <laughs> <laughs> I just remember being in the first time when you moved to Toronto, Robert, and it was like it was like not even when you moved to Toronto, when we went out there with canned ham the first time, and it's like you, you we ran into like within a, being like an hour of being there, we ran into like five people that you knew, like hey, what are you doing here, kind of thing. Oh, I moved here, blah blah blah. Oh, we're on tour, we're playing tonight, at the Silver Dollar or wherever the hell we were playing, same tour, I think. But yeah, see, that's the thing. That's what you got to do. You know, uh, yeah, we talk about how social media doesn't work because of the algorithms. I think there's probably I think it's probably more effective if you're on tour playing a show. I think it's probably more or if you're doing shows or getting trying to get your work out into the world. I think social media might be dead. I think you might just have to go out on the street and clang a large bell and yell, listen to me, listen to me. That's probably way more effective than having an Instagram account. Robert, you are the new algorithm. <laughs> I think that like the days of a sandwich board as marketing tool, like need, yeah. need to come back. Well, I, I think it's probably going to be, you know, I mean, it's not effective now, obviously, because because, you know, of, of the pandemic. But I do think I almost think that that it will be more. I, I, I'm starting to think because of algorithms that social media is completely ineffectual unless you're like a, a billionaire. So you may need a sandwich board or you'd just be a billionaire. I mean, the billionaire thing, I'm almost there. Got to. Except I got to get the billion part. I haven't quite figured that out yet. But, but you've got the air. Your air game is strong. Excellent. I got air. Lots of it. <laughs> um, so how, how do you guys, do you remember when you first met or first started collaborating? The first time I remember, the first time I remember meeting Robert... I, I sorry, I'm just jumping in here. Was I my band Tank Hog, who was a uh, '90s uh, proto metal grunge band for lack of a better word. We were um, in Seattle playing at the uh, Color Block Box, I believe, and with and, DOA. With DOA, that's with right. DOA. That's right. And uh, and our friend um, Sandy Kilby came down. And uh, I believe you were in tow, Robert. That's right. Oh, my goodness. And we were hammered. Of course. But then the next day, we all went uh, up to looking for Chucky's um, up at that. What was the store? There was one store that sold sold Chucky's in Seattle. And I think that was before the days of the algorithms or, bank, or you know, the Internet. So you, you get to go to Seattle. 
Chuckies. To get Chuckies. And and Nike hadn't bought them yet. That's right. I do remember like one of the later times we met. And I remember that um, you had been drinking more than I had at that point. Hey, we're, not three days we're not counting. We're not counting. We're not counting. Well, this particular not, when evening. When did we start taking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, invariably, Malcolm, drinking the old drinking days come up, but don't worry. The, it, we, this is just the early days. Uh, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was it was at a warehouse show, and I think you didn't have any money on you, so I I, I bought your ticket to see three day stubble with the evaporators opening. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, and I barely, but I do remember the show. Yeah. Thank you for buying me the ticket. Yeah. That was fun. So I remember, cause I remember I'd met you and I knew who you were and I'd met you. We'd hung out in Seattle and I remember, which I, I've only just remember was reminded of now by you, but yeah, three day stubble were this incredible nerd rock band from from houston texas or as they like to call it san francisco texas because they relocated to san francisco and there was a really flourishing scene before the dot-com boom ruined everything in san francisco in the world call it frisco yeah before it ruined the world uh yeah before the dot-com boom ruined the world yeah (laughs) turned it all into algorithms and made every place expensive to live in yeah but um but yeah this band was incredible i remember uh playing with them in portland and this guy from the band smegma turned to me and said i love these guys they're like can meets richard meets richard simmons so naturally, Nardwar's band, The Evaporators, was opening, and I designed the flyer and everything, and and uh, and of course Ham here later uh, joined The Evaporators, but at that time he wasn't playing in the in The Evaporators, so he was able to watch the show. Yes, yeah, which nice. is and more what fun. was your, your first collaboration? Was that Canned Ham or was there? Yeah, it was Canned Ham. That was our first collaboration. Yes, it was a dare. It was a dare, wasn't it? <laughs> Tell me more about this dare. Well, what I remember it being, well, what I remember it being, I hang out with Nardwar too much, um, is uh, I was in a band called Jungle. This is, now you can, I don't know the story. If you, you might tell the story different, Robert. But I was playing bass in this band, Jungle, and uh, Mark Kleiner, the uh, league center, decided to become a Lutheran minister. So he left the band. And he is now a Lutheran minister practicing in in Saskatoon, practicing, he's practicing, he's still practicing his chops. Um, And uh, I think I was, didn't you, what was the deal? You, uh, first you approached me, you said, hey, you want to do a uh, jungle tribute band called Safari? And I said, fuck off, Robert. And then then what happened from, and then something about, uh, I was going to do, I'm going to do a, then a, band called ham just gonna do everything myself from now on i'm sick and tired of working with other musicians and uh somehow it turned into canned ham and then it was a well, wasn't it now correct me if i'm wrong but you know memory is a is a very a memory is a memory like people is a very unstable thing and uh but if i remember correctly it uh i worked with this uh, soon-to-be-practicing Lutheran minister and frontman of the rock band Jungle, 
who, uh, you know, later went on to have the Bare Naked Ladies rip off one of their songs. But uh, note for note. But anyways, I work and I worked with Mark Kleiner at a pub. And it was it was the most depressing sports pub. It was a sport ersatz British slash sports pub uh, that it didn't know if it wanted to be a sports pub or a British pub. And and, you know, it was, it, it was a really kind of depressing place. And they'd have a satellite radio system there. And so, you know, after Jungle that Ham was in the band with, after they, you know, a few months after they released a song called, am I allowed to curse? (laughs) Uh, A few months after they had a song called, it's so fucking great to be alive, this positive anthem, you know, that the Bare Naked Ladies heard, uh, the Bare Naked Ladies came out with their song, which is just a real slap in the face called It's All Been Done Before. And the riff, it just starts out the same way. And it would come on the satellite station in the pub when Kleiner and I were working a, a cooking shift together. And that riff would come on. And I'd go to Kleiner, Mark, I'd go, it's your song. And then that horrible Bare Naked Lady vocal would come in. I'd go, oh, it's them. You know, and he'd just be slumping. But I honestly, I wasn't even trying to razz him. I honestly went, oh, good, it's the Jungle song. And then it's like, oh, no, it's the Bare Naked Ladies Ripped Them Off song. But if I remember correctly, the band Jungle decided to have a breakup meeting on the second floor of the pub of this ersatz British sports pub in Kitsilano, Vancouver. They were breaking up. And I seem to remember working a shift while they were breaking up in my kitchen clothes with my apron on. I go upstairs and I seem to remember that the guitarist, Tim Murphy, uh, if, if Ham didn't say I'm going to do a solo thing called Ham, Tim either said so or Tim said it should be canned Ham and do it with robbers here. So I thought it was Tim's idea for us to become a duo as a dare. And then we said, okay, let's do it. Yeah, and then we got drunk we're drinking at our breakup meeting and you and I, whatever I, I, uh, next thing I remember you saying, if you get us a gig, if you get us a gig, Robert, if you get us a gig, I'll do the show. And, uh, I woke up the next morning, I hung over, I got a phone call. It's like, yeah, we're playing at the good jacket on September 5th or something. <laughs> you know, that's the thing I'm, I'm, very often, I would say I'm almost always true to my word. If someone says, makes an agreement with me, I, I do it. I, I follow, I try to follow through with the most ludicrous things uh, imaginable, including canned ham, which started as, as a dare. You know, we used to have a story like a cover story because we had personas. You know, ham was big ham and I'm little ham. And we'd have our, in our matching outfits that we'd perform in. And, you know, we'd add these personas. So, you know, we had the cover story that we met at an intense karaoke competition on a cruise ship and that we had to compete against each other. And, and that, you know, my, uh, my karaoke name was Barry Benatar and Ham's karaoke name was Salt Loaf. And I think you sang Burn in Love and I sang something like Kiss or something like that. But that's that was the fake story of how the band started. But now that I look in hindsight, I find like the real story is maybe just as okay as the fake story. 
you know, we, we would, we would, when we'd go on tour in the States, we would make up cities that we were from. We'd go, oh, we're from, you know, Red Deer, Alberta. And we weren't from Red Deer. We found that if we just said that we're from Canada, they, they found that hilarious enough. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Well, you guys, uh, I mean, how did you come up with the idea for like the kind of like the musical vibe that you occupied? Because that was very interesting as well. Well, Ham made all the music. It, it was canned Ham, right? It was like, well, we gotta, you know, okay, we're so it, so we're we got this gig on the. It was it was it Labor Day long weekend? I think it, I think it was a Labor. Day, it was like the it was a Monday night or a Sunday night uh, in two in two thousand, I guess. You know, you know what holidays mean to me? Time and a half. That's all they meant. Well, to that's me. why we're doing the gig because we're we're not we're we're no dummies. We got time and a half. <laughs> for whatever of what of whatever or yeah of nothing which is which is better than this is a time and a half of nothing it was just it was a benefit for someone that's right <laughs> absolutely um and it was canned and and it was like well we were really into uh you know um smoking the band at the time so uh, i think and then yeah big hustle last or you're really into what's his name i mean we're big enos and big enos and little enos from the smoky and the bandit movies were matching denim outfits but i only realized that later i think i we just i just liked the denim i don't even think we were performing in the double denims and scars no we just both had denim we were both we had that's like well we gotta wear matching outfits what do you got i got denim oh you got denim oh great and then let's get some scarves, right? Um, which is a little bit of an homage to the uh, what do you call it, leather uppers? I think that they uh, they might have had something to do with the scarves. Um, and we didn't even know, like I know I didn't even know about, like I I knew about the leather uppers, I knew about smoking the bandit, and of course liked both those things, you know, but didn't even put it together that that maybe that was a unrealized influence on us, like like you know like like. The Leather Uppers are a duo in matching outfits that started in the early 90s. And I wound up later playing in a band with Craig from the later Leather Uppers when I moved to Toronto, which is also really funny. But um, but they called themselves Scarf Rock. They said they called. That's right. We I mean, the other day, who doesn't love duos in denim with matching scarves? I mean, that is high quality entertainment. And so, yeah. you know, so that's important. Entertainment is important to us. And um, it was just like, yeah, canned. Well, the, of course the music's got to be canned. Well, we better, we're going to get the music. And then there was some idea of, um, of doing, uh, I think we did, did we do Yellow Submarine? No, we did Octopus's Garden at our first show. And then we, and then that turned into uh, swimsuits. Um, no, yeah, it turned into doing a synchronized swimming on land. Right. We did synchronized swimming on land. And that's so, how the show started. <laughs> for Octopus's Garden. I had a, I, I had a, I had a, uh, a Casio keyboard, you know, like, you know, like much like the, uh, like, like, uh, you know, world provider, Casio keyboard and a Omnicord. And so like, okay, I better make some backing tracks for this, this father and son song. <laughs> and so, and it, what else did we have? I think we had bubble. Bubble Bath was for a band that now another. I mean, Robert really. Uh, Bubble Bath wrote the he wrote the lyrics for that. That was for that was for Beaver Canoe, wasn't it? Like Robert is a bit of a Svengali oh. for other acts. 
You may know. Um, I was going to be a Sven Galley for for a band called Beaver Canoe that only made it. They which basically Beaver Canoe started as a fake band. I used to write a regular music column uh, in a in an alternative weekly, and uh, and so I wrote a regular column, music and other stuff, and I reviewed a band called Fake. Uh, I re- reviewed a band called Beaver Canoe. Except that I made the band up. I did. I. I didn't. The band didn't really exist. And then my friend Jessica, uh, Jessica, basically she ran with it, and she got her friends together and said, "Now we're Beaver Canoe, and you can manage us." And uh, and and then uh, and then you know Jessica got a photo shoot together, but I think they only made it to the photo shoot stage of Beaver Canoe. And I was writing uh, some songs for them, like like bubble bath so still i guess like from purely hypothetical to like almost real that's a pretty a pretty good leap if you have a photo shoot you're doing better than some bands i think you know yeah. but but i mean ham was ham had a home recording studio and so it was like that whole home recording technology that kind of facilitated the band to you know when you think about bands like before the 90s you know, like the the ability to actually record is was was a lot more difficult then. So you know, this was able the, the the ability for you to have all this stuff at your fingertips. Granted, it was hard work. It wasn't easy, probably, for you to get a home recording studio happening. But to have that uh, definitely made for a lot of songs to get recorded. Yeah, yeah, it helped. It's easier than a band, that's for sure. Easier than putting a band together. Uh, I remember our one friend, Josh Stevenson, who's a musician and makes great music. He always wanted to be our, our roadie slash chauffeur. He wanted to get a chauffeur hat and everything. And his dream was to show up on stage with the mini disc player, plug it in and push play and then walk off the stage. You know? Yeah. Well, a few people have done that. I mean, didn't Aphex Twin do that for a while or like on one tour? He pushed, he had a CD player on stage and pressed play and then sat on a couch for the entire set. Oh well, we never sat on couches much. Maybe, maybe for one song, but we were moving pretty fast. We'd work up a real sweat. We like to dance and sing, and uh, we did a lot of. We're doing a lot of karaoke at the time. We still, if if you know, hopefully one day do karaoke again. We actually did. We we were maybe the only people doing uh, karaoke in the world during the pandemic. But that's another story, which we can. Well, you know, when you talk about when you talk about. you know, when we talked about Peaches at the beginning, you know, we were, when we did that show with her and Taylor Savvy, you know, we we were feeling a bit insecure about the fact that we had these pre-recorded backing tracks. Like, we didn't really know anyone else that was doing it, and we didn't know that that's what Peaches did, or that's what Taylor Savvy did. We had no idea. I honestly thought Peaches would be on stage with, like, a band. Like we, we, we thought that there'd be other musicians with her. And so when she was on stage and owning the stage alone with pre-recorded backing tracks, like what we did, it was very validating for us. It, you know, we were calling it live karaoke or whatever. And we start, we threw the term karaoke out of, out as a descriptor of us and, you know, just said what we were, but I know like, you know, it was validating and that came in really handy later because even when you're dealing in the music world, 
even if you use synthesizers, there's people who are like poo-poo it and think synthesizers aren't real music. We did one show where we we asked to have the primo slot, which was the middle slot, because the middle slot is always the best slot. Yeah. And these like kind of rock... Second number three is the new headlining. Yes, mi- middle slot is the new headliner. And there were these old... It was at this place called The Railway, and there were like these old rock horses, like these standard kind of like sessiony rock guys, you know, who got on after us. And, uh, and the guy just brushed by me and went, now it's time for some real music, you know, like, like completely dismissed us. Cause a, we had pre synthesizer, pre-recorded backing tracks and B we were funny. So thus we were rendered completely invalid. Well, guess what? I met my wife at that show. So jokes on him. And I'll tell you that story. We were playing, we were, Can Ham was doing the set, set, and if you, I don't know if you were, anyone who's been to the Railway Club in Vancouver, there's up the room up front where the band plays, and there's a room in the back, you can drink in the back in the front, blah, 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 but anyhow, we started doing the show, and most of the people moved to the back of the, of the freaking, of the show, or back to the, of the club, and, uh, except for this one, one woman, um, who stayed and watched the show, and probably a few other people as well. But uh, at that time, she, uh, at, you know, at, at, at a certain point in the show where we did the swimsuit thing, this woman went back and said to my former future wife, my ex-wife now, but she said, you got to come up and see this thing. You got to see what the hell's going on on stage. And uh, Farrell, the, the woman, came to the front and uh, the, what she saw was Robert in his, uh, in his, um, boxer shorts on the floor with his leg up enticingly while I uh, while I'm pulling his socks off and she says I'm gonna marry that man and then she married when we got married so anyhow yeah that's how we met wow. so yeah. yeah that's beautiful isn't that beautiful yeah. <laughs> that's a beautiful story that's a beautiful story so Ken Ham was great but you guys have been doing um have been doing other stuff lately. Ham, you've got you had your project Theorem and Man. Can can you talk a bit about how that came together? Um, that was kind of one of those um, and much the way the canned ham came together. In that I, a few years ago, I realized I didn't have a band, um, except for the evaporators who were who were constantly on hiatus, um, and uh, and I was like, wow, I've got all this gear sort of in my house. I wasn't really doing much with it, so I was like, let's write some songs, you know, and uh, so I wrote some songs by myself, and one of the things was I had a theremin, and I didn't really know how to use it, but I put it into my act, and I just sort of used it as a sound effect, but then it kind of slowly morphed into, and then I sort of got really, um, it's like, okay, it went from this thing that just went, you know, uh, woo, to like, oh, I can actually play notes on it, and then, you know, then I'd I sort of got obsessed with the instrument and um and now I sort of I've become quite good at it and I've made it the center of my my act but I mean again I couldn't do it done it without canned ham because it's mostly all backing tracks except I mean I at first I hauled a bunch of keyboards out and stuff to the shows and I did it was calling it one man band but then it was like it's just so much easier to show up with a you know with backing tracks and now I have to take a bloody theremin so, um, but other than that, it's, it's just, it's another, um, it's an, ex- an excuse and a way to, um, to continue doing music and 
and continue my obsession, my lifelong obsession with music, right? So, yeah. Well, the theremin for you, like the theremin for you, you you get, you've gotten very, you know, you've always been very much into 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 your musical instruments, and the theremin is very much no different. I mean, you've gone to France. Uh, and met other theremin players, and you also went to San Francisco and, and met Dorit Chrysler as well. So you've gotten very deeply into the theremin community. Just took the nerd thing to the nth, you know. Um, if if Cantham wasn't nerdy enough, we took it. I took it one step further. So yeah, um, yeah. No, I'm. It's a, there's a there's an interesting. Of course, there's a community involved, and yeah. Uh, I, and, uh, and I have records out under Stephen Ham Theremin Man and all sorts of stuff. And yeah, I just keep making music. So that's why I'm doing Theremin Man. And, uh, and you guys have been collaborating lately uh, for a couple of EPs that you've put out, Robert, under your very own name. Um, <laughs> can, you, can, you, uh, can you tell me a bit about how that collaboration came together? Well, it's funny, like, uh, you know, because, I mean, I haven't, done music for the last you know for a little while i think the last thing i did was record an album with chris cummings aka marker starling and uh another fella named uh, named my niles mr chick and 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 another fella named justin ladd you know they'd uh, seen chris and i do some stuff and chris is a keyboard player and makes beautiful beautiful pop music and that was the last thing i did that album never even saw release i was trying to find comedy labels uh for that album for the canadian romantic album this character i do in toronto and it was all done as a character and i tried pitching it to comedy labels but comedy labels again it's really like you know you you try to record something for everyone you know you think oh my the audience i want to make this really accessible to the audience and then you realize that you've set up industry obstructions by trying to make it for an audience in other words, and this has happened to me time and time again. So in other words, the industry obstruction is comedy labels want a guy telling jokes on stage with one microphone recorded quickly. And me, I'm going, I want to make a listenable album that people keep coming back to. It's ambient and it's got all this music and all this organ throughout and blah, blah, blah. And then comedy labels get confused. Whereas I'm going, I want, I want audience to keep coming back to it. So that was that's in the that's shelved, uh, it's recorded and shelved and unreleased. And then I went off to L.A. and uh, you know I wasn't doing any music there. I was doing some comedy and a bunch of other stuff. And then the pandemic hit, and uh, you know the prime minister, whatever his name is, went on TV and said, "Hey, Canadians, come back to Canada." And I didn't have health care. I didn't have wheels. Uh, all my jobs ended the day I booked my flight. And so I, uh, my brother said, you know, come back to BC and, and stay in this spare room. So I'm just outside of Vancouver, very close to where Ham is. And, it, you know, we just started hanging out again, of course. You know, we, we had the same bubble. You know, we were in, uh, we were in the bubble. And I just, I guess... I can't even remember how I came up with it. Did I, I did I start jotting down some lyrics? I guess somehow like I'd been kind of pandemically stagnant and then jotted down some lyrics. And I think I may have just approached you, right? Yeah, yeah. I think you're saying it was something like 
can I come stay spend the weekend? Which it's it's Robert's been coming visiting me, cause Surrey's a little ways away from Vancouver, and um, it's like, well, what are we gonna do? And well, I got these songs, and I like. I mean, the horror thing is the first. It was like I got four songs, so I said, okay, right. Here's the deal. You got we got an afternoon. We're gonna do four songs in an afternoon, and that's and then Robert's like. I'm up for that dare uh, or challenge or whatever you want to call it. So we did the first, we did those four songs and um, I, I just kind of wanted Robert to do his own stuff because um, it's fun because I always, I, I, I love Robert's music and so it was like, let's, you do some stuff by yourself now and um, we always had the idea with Canned Ham that we we're going to do a, a double-sided single of All By Myself, each of us doing on either side, like, oh, by myself, except Little Ham would come visit Big Ham on his side. During the solo. Yeah, during, yeah, during the, the solo, we'd pop in, we'd pop in on other people's solo, you know, on about, each other's solos and go, how's it going? We've to, yeah, we've managed to grow some boundaries, and now, yeah, so, and then we, so. How's your solo side doing? Oh, it's doing great, little buddy. Come and why you sing the chorus with me. Last chorus. I'd love to sing the chorus with you. It's like, you know, it's like, it's a true solo singer. So, yeah, like, it's kind of funny calling these solo EPs when they're, when, like, basically, Hamier's done everything, you know? <laughs> like, I always found the idea of a solo artist really funny. Because more often than not, a solo artist is not a solo. It's like, you know, it's not a, a one-person band, a solo artist, you know? I'm just really glad that, that I got to, and then then he, then Robert came stayed stay another weekend, and we did we did the uh, the my blank is full, um, which is algorithms is a very favorite song of mine. So yeah, yeah, I just wanted I just said let's record the most current sounding thing we can think of, like just what the most like current what people are going through psychologically thing that we can think of for the for the second ep and the first ep was more using horror metaphors of what people are going through so right well it's it's great to uh it's great to see you you guys still doing stuff together yeah yeah it's been fun i mean you know it's kind of like i compare it to like you know when people were waiting for twin peaks the return and they were going, oh, I can't wait to see Dale Cooper again. And instead they get Dougie Cooper. I think when people found out that Ham and I were recording again, it was like, oh, it's going to be some new canned Ham songs. And instead they get the Robert Dayton solo EP. So instead of Dale Cooper, they get Dougie. Right. <laughs> and is there going to be a similar, well, I guess it would be a spoiler to say if there would be a similar reveal at some point. Oh, that Robert's gonna do in my album. Robert's gonna do my solo album. Could happen. <laughs> I'm 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 practicing right now. Can you hear? Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. So you're you're talking about doing a reveal or whatever. Is there gonna be any new canned ham or anything? This is this is what I have to say about that. Now, canned ham back in the day, we said we would play birthday parties, weddings, and bar mitzvahs. We have played birthday parties. We have played weddings. Quite a few weddings. More like than that. one, yeah. Yes. We have never played a bar mitzvah. 
So I, I, there's some unfinished business in Canned Ham. And uh, I can't, I can never, you know, wrap it up and put the little bow on Canned Ham until we do a bar mitzvah. So all my Jewish friends out there, if you have kids and you want to scar them for life in a way other than the brisk, you, you, know, uh, you can uh, look us up. Give us a call. We're, we're into it. You know, it's it's fun. we have like uh, we have unreleased tracks and unfinished tracks. So we even have uh, the ne- the concepts for the next two albums. I I, I don't know. We uh, we joke that we'd be doing this until we're eighty at least. So yeah, we got lots of time left. So yeah, good. <laughs> That's good to know. So maybe we should have broken up, you know, like maybe we should have just told people that like, like how many times did the who break up? Like the, did they right. tell people, you know, it's taken like, isn't the entire band dead and yet they're still playing? Like, I mean, you know, like they break up when a band member, each time a band member dies and get back together. And, you know, so, I mean, I don't want us to die or anything. Well, maybe we could franchise it. I like the franchise idea. Yeah, we were talking about that. We're for the Rolling Stones. Um, so, Ham, you said earlier, you talked earlier about like a lifelong obsession with music. Um, can you elaborate on that? Well, it's never bit? gone away. Like, I'm always like, I mean, when we started Canned Ham, it was like, it was like, that's it, I'm done. Then I'm doing Canned Ham. Then can't, then Robert moves off to Toronto. It's like, okay, Canned Ham's going on hiatus. Well, I'll maybe... And they, oh no, I'm gonna play in this band. I, you know, I, I think it's um, um, I it's something I just continue to see. There's there's still stuff to do. There's always stuff to do with music. I don't know. Are you still playing music, Malcolm? You must be. Yeah, yeah, so, I'm still doing stuff. I mean, you can do the next Can Ham record. Oh well, you know, let's talk talk business. We got let's talk <laughs> funding. Let's going. talk funding. Yeah. <laughs> How much are you going to pay us um, to do that? Anyhow, I digress. Um, I just, uh, yeah, um, there's always stuff to do. And, and, and um, like, the theremin just became this, as I say, it, it became a bit of an obsession. And it's one of these things, these instruments that you can never really quite master. So I'm, I've, I've been to France and I've been to uh, San Francisco and, and uh, to take classes and stuff and and hooked in with a real um community and i just keep making music so um and people seem to still listen to it so that's and i find that to be important i mean robert's more of a multidisciplinarian than i am he is doing a book right now on canadian glam he is you know painting and drawing like it seems like you're you're your um pandemic dry spell has come to an end yeah can you can you tell us a bit robert about your canadian glam book project yeah i mean i was kind of lucky with that though i think i think you know when we talk about like pandemic dry spells i think there was a lot of jokes at the beginning of the pandemic where people were saying oh great i can use this time you know, this is my artist retreat. And then it's like, oh, wait, why do I have severe anxiety? Oh, because we're in a pandemic. <laughs> you know? Sounds like, about right. 
Yeah, but I was I was kind of lucky because I was kind of midway through writing this book on on glam rock in Canada, so I already had kind of a template in place when the pandemic hit. But I am still not I'm not moving at full speed necessarily. Some days are better than others, right? Um, but yeah, it's basically an exploration of of glam rock in Canada and throughout the seventies because. Because uh, mostly throughout the 70s, I should say, you know, those are kind of the qualifiers and, you know, the qualifiers of what is glam. I mean, glam is fairly nebulous in a way, but I feel like glam is a, you know, I do have the qualifiers for what is glam, but glam's a fairly freaky thing where they also say there's a lot of artifice involved, whereas Canada often tries to, well, uh, position itself as being nature, even while it's destroying nature. Uh, so... You know, the, the two rub up against each other in a weird way, Canadian glam. And so it's kind of exploring these little known acts where some of them are not all of them are little known, but but some of them are these acts that, you know, were making gl glam or glammy music in Canada. Yeah. Yeah, it does. There is something that sounds kind of contradictory there, but kind of interesting. There's a conflict. Canadian glam, yeah. there is. There's yeah. tension. Yeah. There's tension. Yeah, it's an interesting tension. Uh, Robert, I remember that, like, you know, we've known each other for a number of years now, and I and and you you you're a, a musician and artist of all trades, and uh, you also like collect music, right? Like, you whenever I see you, you're always heading off to to stores to buy records and stuff, looking for new thrills. Yeah, and uh, like, what what's what are your fields of interest in in uh, in in collecting and, and the music you listen to. Oh, like, like, gosh, I mean, you know, there was, there was a bunch of things that would like inspire and influence canned ham even, or even other stuff I do like, like, for example, you know, stuff that was kind of glammy, you know, like in the new video for, for one of the solo songs, get a dog, uh, slash uh, the softest voice on the internet. You know, there was, with Get a Dog, the video, I was kind of inspired by this video for this guy, Johnny Halliday, who was France's answer to Elvis. And he had a song that was written for him by these guys in Montreal, uh, Richard Tate and Angelo Finaldi. And I, I, I talked quite extensively with Angelo Finaldi because they both went off to England and, and, and were on Mickey Most's label and did a bunch of stuff. And then they later they met up with Johnny Halliday. And Johnny Halliday has this TV special and he's doing their song and he's got this guitar, but he's not even playing it. It's a prop. It's kind of like, you know, when you look at the first Roxy Music album, they're all holding these bizarre guitars and they're outfits but none of them can like none of them except for the guitarist really play the guitar and so the idea of doing the video was to have you know like one of ham's bases you know like and and just using it as a prop and not even being able to properly play it so that's like just one way where you know record collecting or an interest in the history of music can inform what i do now so that's one thing you know hamster ham was definitely inspired by uh weird christian uh children's albums that were rip-offs of the chipmunks 
by an old rockabilly guy named Floyd Robinson. There was like a country Christian chipmunks ripoff until until the chipmunks corporation, the Bagdasarian, said lay off. And, uh, and so they had a character called Charlie the Hamster. So we came up with a manager named Hamster Ham that would yell at us, which was kind of a switch on the old chipmunks formula, you know, where David would yell at the chipmunks. Uh, David was the human manager, so we had a hamster manager named Hamster Ham that would yell at Lil and Big Ham, and you know was a big part of the Christmas show. And so you know that. So I've always had a lifelong interest in puppetry and and puppetry records. So I'd be seeking those kind of things out, um, all sorts of stuff. Just you know, it's a, it, to me like an album should be. You know, I find like if I'm getting an interesting point of view, you know, if I'm finding an interesting point of view and you know, I'd love to just keep finding stuff that's being made currently. I, I, I want to find interesting stuff that's being made right now. Even you know, I don't have a cutoff. I don't really have a cutoff. I just want to. I just want to find the really the wildest, most you know, points, other points of view, and just uh, other windows into people's these worlds that people are creating, getting out into the world. To me, that's exciting because I'm trying to get that out into the world myself, and I want to. You know, and, and, and having my point of view or my, uh, you know, my sort of world building going out into the world. And I want to hear it through almost always through collaboration, of course. But I want to hear what others are doing or have done. You know, I find that exciting. Well, you've got an amazing eye for for unique records, because whenever we've hung out or you've stayed at our place, or whatever, you always have a bag of records. And invariably, it's like you've got five records and it's five artists I've never heard of. And you just, you know, all this trivia about them and you're, you're effusive about it. It's, it's really kind of amazing. Yeah. There's some, it, it's, it's interesting. Like there's a lot of stuff that, you know, like maybe I don't even know anything about it, but I'm like, Oh man, what is this? Like, that's kind of the, like one, like with the Canadian glam book, even like it's, it's a history book for sure but it's also kind of meant to hopefully inspire i hope for people to just kind of push these boundaries and and create new work like you know to be freaky and get wild and do stuff and i think freaks are are more important than they ever have been and you know we need to continue to be freaks in this world absolutely why why do you think that they're more important than ever because everything has become so becoming so homogenous um you know i i am grateful that i had there was a time when you could go and look you know i'm, I'm sure we're, we're kind of gentrifiers in our own way but you know you, there were times when you could find stuff you, you had to go looking for stuff everything wasn't immediately available to you on the internet um the the first canned ham tours with neil hamburger We'd go into these, and I, and I, I mean, I'm a pretty, you know, I mean, I'm a left of field guy and I like novelty, but I go in with Greg Turkington and Robert and we go into these huge record, like import, like this warehouses of, of uh, old records and be looking for all this crazy stuff. And I just, so many worlds opened up and that is becoming you know you look at spotify and it's, it's actually amazing how much stuff you can find on spotify but there's just you know it's kind of 
limiting and cure you know now we're all everything has to be in in uh little boxes so you can search for it and stuff on the internet and it's just anything to sort of blow that apart that's why being a freak is more important because even being a freak is becoming you know commodified and made homogenous so it's really important right now if you can afford it i I, I sometimes get a, a little depressed with my own career. I think a lot of people do get depressed with my own career, but I get depressed with my own career as well. And, uh, and, and, you know, I was talking to a guy um, named Glenn Altine, who, you know, he, he was heavily involved with running the, the Grunt Gallery in Vancouver for many years, which was an important place for multidisciplinary practice there's a lot of performance and he, there's a lot of performance that was a lot of drag uh, moving into performance art was happening, you know, in Vancouver at the Grunt and a lot of indigenous performance as well early on, like I think since maybe even the 80s. So Glenn was a, you know, really, re, he's a really interesting guy and he had to hear me whine and uh, he basically said, you know, you'd think that artists would be about not be not fitting into a box you know and, and to me i always thought that's what it was that's what for me personally this is robert speaking now i always thought that we're supposed to be multidisciplinary and explore new possibilities and find new ways and new things and but glenn uh, ended that saying well often it's all about you know with the art arts artists often it's all about fitting into the smallest box imaginable and uh, you know this is this is someone with a lot of experience in the art world saying this, so I th I think I think we should be exploring and it should be exciting. Uh, I want to get I want to get excited. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I remember Robert many years ago you were complaining that people like referred to your your work as weird. But have you come to terms with that today? No, I, I don't know if I have. Like, I, I find, like, like, I would even get labels, like, like when I say labels, I don't mean being labeled. I mean, like, record labels. Uh, you know, I would get record labels say, oh, this is really good, but it's weird. And to me, it's like a kind of a consider the source thing. Like, well, does that mean that you're boring? Or, you know, just, like, it, it, it's like you're so scared of, like, trying to create something new if it's something new they find it weird like these new eps the second ep do you think i'm creating this ep to try to be weird it was probably trying to connect to people and try to engage with what people are going through right now and and you know i i create a lot of work where i am trying to think of an audience and maybe because i'm not thinking of a little box but i'm thinking of an audience that makes it weird i don't know i don't know man like i just like, why do what's been done before? Why not create something new? I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm glad you guys are out there creating new things. I'm glad you're in that. Weird, I'm glad you're under the stairs there in your weird little <laughs> recording booth, Malcolm. Yeah. And also creating new things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I don't feel I feel like there's no choice at this point. Right. What else am I going to do? exactly <laughs> i'm sorry malcolm that i when your last question i'm sorry i can't answer it with a simple yes or no 
Oh, that's okay. I wasn't looking for a simple yes or no. I'm uh, I'm like, you know, I'm I'm just I'm curious because you on one hand you described the importance of being unique, but the, and so uh and so I I wondered I guess, you know, maybe it's two different ways of saying the same thing, but uh I wondered if in embracing that importance you had, you know, embraced the weirdness that people uh perceive. Right. I, I guess I, I guess I just you know, as long as I guess I just don't want to like, it's, I'm not trying to like brand something, be branding, you know, where you like, it's all about what's your brand. Oh, my brand is weird. And there's this really forced, like, uh, you know, like every time sure, you're like, sure, sure. let's go see what the weird guy's doing. And you press a button and it's like, uh, you know, <laughs> like this, this forced you know, weirdness, you know, that's good. That's coming through, you know, uh, I, I, it's kind of funny. I was like going, Oh, well may, maybe this new genre of these solo EPs that, that, uh, of mine that ham did almost everything for, uh, maybe the, maybe it could be called Dayton wave. Oh, I like that. I like that. We yeah, should do Dayton sure. wave. Absolutely. Dayton okay, that's, wave. Yeah. that's the next record. So that's the next EP come over on the weekend and we'll, next weekend and we have you have seven hours to make it four songs i already know how to describe it like when people go how do you describe dayton wave it's like remember that gum where you'd bite into it and there'd be all this liquid spewing out and you'd and you'd see the commercial and be a guy surfing and stuff that's kind of like what dayton waves like i love it i can't wait to hear it well it's really it's really great talking to you guys and I, I can't wait till we can uh, do this in person sometime. Oh my goodness! Yes. Yeah. Before we're eighty, next summer. Yeah, definitely for sure. Well, that's our show. I hope you enjoyed it. You can find both Robert Dayton and Stephen Ham Theremin Man's new projects on Bandcamp and other places where music is available. Uh, please be sure, if you enjoyed this podcast, to take a moment and go uh, give us a rating on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you are enjoying this. Leave a review and uh, spread the word to anyone who might be interested. Thank you very much for listening and see you next time for more What Is This Music? <laughs>